Thank you, Max. Thank you, team. And that is the mission of the Holy Spirit to bring honor to the name of Christ. Thank you for leading us in worship. Now, if you have your Bibles, if you would, take those and turn to the passage that was uh, read for us earlier by the, the Darlington family sharing the Advent candle with us. So if you turn there to Luke chapter 1 and 2, Luke 1 and 2. Well, we are officially in the Christmas season now. Officially in the Christmas season. Now, what makes it official? What makes it official, the Christmas season? Thanksgiving being over? <laughs> no, it's officially Christmas season because Friday was Black Friday. Yesterday was Small Business Saturday, and tomorrow is Cyber Monday. That's what makes it official. Maybe we should just change the greeting of the season to Merry Chris Business or Merry Cash Mess. <laughs> no, we don't need to rename Christmas. You know what we need to do? We need to reclaim Christmas. We need to reclaim Christmas, if not for the world or not for the economy, how about for ourselves? <laughs> we reclaim Christmas for ourselves and our homes. And we can do that. And one way we want to do that in these next few weeks is by refocusing on Advent, to reclaim Christmas by refocusing on Advent. Christmas has been so commercialized, almost lost in Christmas is the one whose name is in the Word. Advent is a term that I think thankfully we can still claim for this season remind us that it is a season of celebrating our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we want to do that by two primary ways here at West Park uh, these next few weeks. First of all, by uh, Advent messages that will be brought here on Sunday mornings for the next few Sundays and also uh, the guides that go along with those for use in our groups, and you can use them for your own individual time in the Word. But also, I'm grateful for some Advent devotionals that have been provided for us by our prayer ministry team. And a few of those are available, I think, at the back. But the easiest way for you to access those and use those over the next uh, few weeks, beginning today, is to go online to the website. You'll see some reading, some thought some songs to be sung, times of reflection that you can use during the what can become the, the mad mess of this season to bring us back to the focus of Advent and the focus on Christ. So I'm grateful for uh, prayer ministry team that's made those available. Hope that you'll go online and access those, use those. 
But let's talk about Advent as we enter into this season of Advent. First of all, making sure we understand what the word means. Advent has a Latin origin, and it means to, to wait, to wait. And not waiting in an, an impatient way, but waiting in anticipation. Advent has the idea of to wait and to wait for someone, <laughs> to await someone, to await his coming. That's the idea behind Advent. Now let's think a little bit about the history of the believers for ages using this season as a focus. It's interesting that the first recorded season of Advent comes from the 4th and 5th century, began in Spain and in France, not exactly where, but it was a season for Christians awaiting baptism. Interesting, as we celebrated baptism this morning, Rachel's baptism. But it, as Christians would await baptism because the season was connected with what was known in the church calendar as a season of epiphany, which celebrated Christ's baptism. So actually, Advent began as people prepared themselves for baptism, awaiting their baptism to identify with the Lord, who made himself known in that dramatic way by his baptism. But beginning about the 6th century, and almost for a thousand years, the celebration and focus of Advent was actually on the return of Christ, the return of the Lord, his second coming, as we would refer to it. And it's been for about the last five or 600 years or so that the celebration of the coming of Christ in his birth and with it, the celebration of his second coming has been brought together in this season of Advents, as we think about the two Advents of Christ the Messiah, who came to be Savior and His first coming, and is coming again in power and great glory to rule and reign forever and forever. And so for centuries, candles have been lighted during worship services, gatherings of believers, and also in homes of believers, because the candle represents that in a world of darkness, there's yet light of great anticipation. There's light of great anticipation. As a matter of fact, the darker the world grows, the brighter this light becomes. <laughs> light of this anticipation of the coming of Christ. And so Advent says, there is light for the darkness. That's what Advent says to us. There's light in the midst of the darkness, and that light in the midst of the darkness is the light of Christ because he is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. And regardless of whether 
the world understands it or not, it is more than a cliche to just say and remind ourselves that Jesus is the reason for the season, right? He is. Jesus is the light of Advent. And so in this series for the next few Sunday mornings to help us celebrate the reality of his first coming and what that has meant, I pray to each one of us as he's been born into our hearts by faith. But as we anticipate his second coming, that there's light in our lives this Advent season. And so we want to celebrate Christ as the light of hope the light of peace, the light of love, and the light of joy. Now this morning we're going to begin by focusing on Jesus as the light of hope. And I ask you now to turn to the Gospel of Luke where we had our reading earlier. We'll look at chapter 2. And I want us to see this coming of Christ as the light of hope in the lives of three people, three people who are mentioned here early in the Gospel of Luke who lived in a hopeless world. I mean, if you thought of a hopeless world, that season in the Roman Empire seemed hopeless in so many ways. And yet these three people in each of their lives had the light of hope because of Jesus Messiah, flooded with light of hope, each one. And their example to us, their experience is an example of the light of hope in Messiah for us. Now, first of all, let's look at this first example. Example of this teenage girl named Mary. And I think we could say this morning and focus this way, that she represents the wonder of hope. The wonder of hope. Now we're told in this passage how Gabriel, the great messenger angel, was sent to deliver this astounding message to this teenage girl in the little village of Nazareth in the north of Israel. And she was totally astounded by what was shared with her. Notice her response in chapter 2, verse 34, we're told that as she is given, chapter 1 rather, verse 34, I sent you to chapter 2 too early, excuse me for that, not far to turn. <laughs> chapter 1, verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Now this is not an expression of unbelief. It's not the expression like that of Zacharias six months earlier when the same angel came to give him the good tidings that to him and to his wife Elizabeth a child would be born. And and his response was, this can't be. (laughs) This can't be. That's not how Mary responded. How can this be? It's an expression of amazement. But then Gabriel explains the miracle that's about to take place within her body. And I've always been amazed at how beautifully and how discreetly the Holy Spirit through the pen of Luke describes this miracle 
of the conception of the Son of God in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Verse 35, the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. A beautiful expression. This birth of Messiah, who was the hope of Israel. And you can imagine the, the hope of every Jewish mother. Maybe her son would be the Messiah. But no one could have ever fathomed or understood that this kind of miraculous birth would have taken place. Imagine the message that is given to Mary. But notice her response. Mary is just astounded. But how does she respond to this word of hope that's been brought to her by the angel? She responds, yes, in wonder, but also willingness. Willingness. Look at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Total surrender. Complete willingness. How beautiful is her response to the beautiful statement from Gabriel. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Totally selfless. And yes, she is the most highly favored. She is Mary, highly favored of God, graced by God is the idea. But think of what it meant for this young girl. Think what it meant. Think of the responsibility she was assuming. How do you raise the one who raised the mountains? How do you teach to count the one who numbers the stars? How do you teach the alphabet to the alpha and omega? How do you guide the one who has guided all the ages? But also think not just about her responsibility. Think about her sacrifice. Think what this was going to mean to this girl. Think about the gossip. Think about the whispers. Think about the knowing looks when she would pass by. Think of the hurtful words that no doubt were dropped as the months passed and it became more clear to everyone that she was expecting a child. She will sacrifice her priceless Possession. What is it? 
the testimony of her virtue. She'll lay that down as a servant of the Lord. And no doubt she thinks that she will lose the most priceless person in her life. Joseph. She's already pledged to him. They're not just engaged. They are espoused. They are actually already considered man and wife, except there has not yet been the covenant ceremony. Think of what she is no doubt considering she will sacrifice the priceless testimony of her virtue and the most priceless person to her, Joseph. Mary knew all this. Mary considered all this. And she measured all this. And what was her response? Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. For Mary, the wonder of the coming of the Son of God changed everything. It was wonder. It was staggering. It was to be sacrificial. But she willingly embraced it all for this glorious privilege of being the mother of the Messiah. It changed everything. Her entire life focus would never be the same. Her identity would never be the same. My friends, the hope that we have of Messiah's advent should, like Mary, in many ways fill us with wonder and willingness. Because you see, Mary was chosen that from her would be born the Son of God. And if you are a believer in Jesus, you have been chosen that spiritually born into you is the Son of God. To bear His name. To bear His Spirit within you by this miraculous spiritual birth. And because of this, we should be filled with wonder. I love what the Apostle John said decades and decades later when he was an old man. Here's how he marveled in wonder at what the Lord had done in his heart, in the heart of all believers by his coming. John said this, 1 John 3 verse 1, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And so are we. So we really are, is the idea. This is the reason why the world does not know us. Doesn't mean not know about us, but does not understand us. And does not want to understand us. The reason why the world does not know us, 
doesn't understand us because it doesn't understand him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And we do not know as yet what will appear. But we know this, that when he appears, there's his second advent, right? When he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. Imagine that. Not just to possess the spirit of the Son of God, but to see him and to be made like him forever. When Jesus comes in that second advent, we will see him, we will know him, and we'll be changed to be like him. I call that hope. And what does that bring to us who have that hope, that wonder? If that wonder is in your heart, then there's a willingness. Verse 3, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself as he is pure. Doesn't mean that we become perfect because we won't and we aren't. But means that we desire to be more like him. And we desire to willingly serve him to have that kind of spirit because of our hope in him our attitude is behold the servant of the Lord (laughs) let it be to me according to your word you be Lord I will willingly be your servant that's hope Mary represents the light of hope The wonder of it. The wonder of this hope in Messiah. But now, notice in chapter 2 now, there's another example. I said there's three people who lived in a hopeless world, but they become examples of hope to us. There's another example. And this example is found in Luke chapter 2. A man by the name of Simeon. And he is an example of someone who was waiting and awaiting the Messiah. And he is an example, as he's written in Scripture, of worshiping in hope, the worship of hope. You see, hope, there's waiting, awaiting the Lord Jesus Christ. But while we are awaiting him, we are worshiping him. (laughs) Luke chapter 2, we're introduced to this man Verse 25 tells us that Mary and Joseph have brought the little child to be dedicated in the temple. And as they entered the courts of the temple to carry out this moment of dedication, verse 25 says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation or the hope, the hope in Messiah of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came 
in the spirit. He was led of the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, the Bible goes on to say he took the child up in his arms and he blessed God. Now let's stop here for a moment. We're introduced to this man, Simeon. We're told that he was righteous and devout. Righteous has to do with his faith that was expressed in his life and character. And devout has to do with his devotion toward God. Faith expressing the outward examples of his life and devotion, the inward commitment of his life to God. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting in hope. (laughs) See, there was a promise. There was prophecies made. There's coming one. One is coming. One is coming. And this one will be of the descendants of David. He will be the one who will restore Israel. He will be the king that will sit upon the throne of his father David. And for some time there has been now in Jerusalem surrounding discussions of strange events and people who have come asking, where is he that has been born? The king of the Jews. But this man had been looking and looking for the Messiah for a long time. This promise of the one who was coming. And the Holy Spirit revealed to him, gave him assurance that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ, the anointed, the Messiah. And from the moment the Holy Spirit gave him that assurance that his eyes would look upon the Messiah, Simeon from that moment on became a world-class waiter. (laughs) World-class He's waiting. He's awaiting. He's living in the spirit of the hope of Advent. But while he's waiting, he's worshiping. He's worshiping in hope. He's in the temple. He's a worshiper. He's looking for the Messiah, anticipating him. He's worshiping in hope because you see hope is a word of worship friends listen carefully hope is not a word of wishing hoping is a word of faith hope is not wishing hope is steadfast assurance based on the word of God it is absolute blessed assurance based on God's word and God's character that what he has promised he will do. He is the God who cannot lie. And he what he has promised will happen and so it is an awaiting of the experience of what God has promised and that is prompting worship out of this man's heart. Now we don't know how long Simeon waited. But we do know how he waited. 
He waited in worship. You know, that's a place for a good question. How do we wait for the Lord? Do we wait in worry? Do we wait in worthless pursuits? Do we wait immersing ourselves in things that will not last and don't have real value? Or if we are really waiting for the Lord, are our eyes looking toward Him in worship? Advent faith is that kind of faith. It's a worshiping faith. It's not a spirit that gets buried in the craziness of Christmas. It's not an attitude that's overwhelmed by the materialistic madness that envelops our society, but remembers what this season is about. Not what it's about, but who it's about. The one who has been born in us. The one who is our Savior now and who is coming again. And we are His people. We worship Him. We're not going to wait till He gets here to worship Him. We worship Him now. Oh, how we'll worship Him then. Like we've never been able to before. But... (laughs) We've begun that worship already because of what he's done being born in our hearts. The psalmist said this, Psalm 130 verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits and in his word I hope. I wait for the Lord. I'm expecting Him. I'm expecting Him. In His Word, I have my hope, my confidence. Simeon lights the way for worshiping as we're waiting. And guess what? Worship here is not boring, it's not dead, it does not start at 1030 sharp and end at 11.45-ish, noonish, <laughs> dull. No. Now you can go to church and be bored out of your gourd. But you can't worship and be bored. Amen. To me, Here is a man who is worshiping. He's been waiting and waiting. And now he is worshiping not by faith but by sight. We're told here in our passage. Notice verse 29. Lord, let's start at verse 28. He took him up in his arms. See this old man? He takes him up in his arms. And he says, now, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your Yeshua, (laughs) your salvation, 
that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. He is a light for a revelation to the Gentiles. And he is the glory of your people Israel. Wow. He starts singing. This is a song. It's a song. Sometimes referred to as Nunc Demitis. Nunc Demitis. Now departing. Now, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace. He knows this is his swan song, so to speak. This is his testimony. You're letting your servant depart in peace. Simeon did not understand all the details of God's plan of salvation. No one did. They had not yet been fully revealed by God. He did not understand all the details of the plan of salvation, but he did know this. He did know that the baby he held in his arms was God's salvation. I have seen your salvation. That was his hope. He held his hope in his arms. (laughs) And friend, I want to tell you this. Listen to me. You'll never really possess hope until the moment you wrap your arms around Jesus. That's when you'll know hope and assurance. Wrapping your arms around salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the light of hope and he changes everything. Now one final example and we close. There's Mary. She is the example of the wonder of hope. And then there's this man, Simeon. He's the example of the worship of hope. But now there's the example of one we certainly know as a senior saint. This is the example of Anna who is the example of one who is a witness of hope. A witness of hope. Now, just as Simeon is finishing his song, Anna comes along to sing the amen. And Anna comes and we're told about her. There was a prophetess. She had the Spirit of God upon her. She spoke for God. A prophet, in the ultimate sense, is not someone who is a foreteller, but someone who is always a forthteller. God does and did have prophets who foretold, but my friend, If you have the Lord Jesus, you are a prophet or a prophetess to share that message. Verse 36. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. 
She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, isn't that just a coincidence? It's amazing. Coincidence just happen when God's involved. <laughs> and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God. She begins proclaiming worship to God. And she can't stop. She begins speaking of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Those who were waiting for the coming of Messiah. They're anticipating. They're, they are in Advent. <laughs> they are awaiting the Messiah. And now this woman who has seen the salvation of the Lord knows who he is, that he has arrived. She worships him, praises him, and she can't stop talking about him. <laughs> I don't know how many years she had after being 84, but I tell you what, I know what she was talking about. She was talking about the Lord. She had been waiting and she had been worshiping. And Anna joined in that celebration. She began to give thanks. I love this about Anna. I never thought about it until just recently. She was the first person to combine Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> Giving thanks to God and praise for His Son. Combining Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's not a bad combination. Both Thanksgiving and Christmas needs to be reclaimed by Christians. Amen. Reclaimed by us. Don't call Thanksgiving the forgotten holiday unless it's every day for you. Don't criticize the merchandising of Christmas unless every day is a celebration of his birth in you. We need to proclaim what Christmas is all about, right? It's sad. There are people who won't say Merry Christmas. And I admit, I thought by this time I'd be a better Christian than I am. But happy holidays, it gives me a pain I can't quite locate, to be honest with you. <laughs> Just say what it's all about. I'm sorry, let me stay in the spirit. Okay. It's, it's sad that some people can't say Merry Christmas. Not surprising. But you know what's saddest of all? Believers who don't talk about the Christ of Christmas. Amen. Ever. If we're upset, 
with people who don't know the Lord who take Christ out of Christmas, how upset should we be with ourselves when we take Christ out of our vocabulary? Why do we keep silent knowing that Christ has come? The angels couldn't keep silent. The shepherds couldn't keep silent. Simeon couldn't keep silent. Anna really couldn't keep silent. Will we? You don't have to make a nuisance out of yourself. There's nothing redeeming in being part of the odd for God squad. (laughs) But if you know Jesus, people ought to know that you know Jesus. Not that you know all about him. We don't, any of us, know enough that would just be the hem of his garment. But one thing we do know, if we know his amazing grace, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. We can redeem and reclaim Christmas. Reclaim it for ourselves by proclaiming our hope. Proclaiming our hope. The song that's throughout these three people's lives is the salvation of the Lord. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my salvation. Friend, Is he your salvation? You know that Jesus has been born, but you know that he's been born in your heart. What does it mean to be born again? It means by the Spirit of Christ to be renewed in your heart by God's grace so that Christ lives in you by faith. Do you know what it means to have Christ born in you. And friend, if you don't, today is the day of salvation. This is the time. Don't boast of tomorrow. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. We're here at the very threshold of Advent. Don't stay outside of the door, my friend. Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any enters in, he shall be saved. On the threshold of Advent, come on in the door to Jesus and say, I know Jesus is the Savior, but now what I know He's my Savior. Lord, I pray that as we enter into this Advent season, we do so with wonder and willingness. We do so in worship. And Lord, let us go through this season as your witnesses. Letting others know of the gift of God, which is eternal life.
through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are our salvation. Bless your word to our hearts. Use it to draw people to Jesus and to draw all of us closer to him. We ask in your name. Amen.